And I believe Maggie Feinstein is with us. And Maggie's director of the 1027 Healing Partnership. I thank you very much for being here this morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, can I assume you're a lifelong Pittsburgher or, or a yep. transplant? <laughs> nope, that's a good assumption. I'm a lifelong Pittsburgher here in Squirrel Hill. And I wonder, um, because I was saying earlier, I, I have friends that have moved out here. Mm-hmm. And after a few years, they take such great pride in this neighborhood, which is so unusual. Like they've adopted the neighborhood as their own and have forgotten about New York and New Jersey. <laughs> uh, but I would, I would imagine that for you lifelongers, this was an even, an even more um, a difficult experience, maybe put it that way, uh, of what happened a year ago. Yeah. And, um, and for those people like yourself who never thought that this community would ever suffer at the hands of a madman like that, of a terrorist like that, mm-hmm. uh, what are your thoughts about this community um, and its historic role in the, Jewish, in the greater Jewish community and then, you know, putting all this together with what happened a year ago. That's a lot. Oh, um, yeah. So I think that, you know, the first thing I would say is that as a lifelong Pittsburgher, so not, you know, I'm now raising my children here and on both sides of their family, all four of their great grandparents grew up in Squirrel Hill also. Wow. So, you know, we have very deep roots and that's sort of how Pittsburgh is frequently. And even with that, until I took the job at 1027 Healing Partnership and until I started working in the recovery efforts, I didn't realize some of the amazing things people are doing to track history, to be able to track the neighborhood, to really understand the community and the fabric of the community. And it's been really inspirational to me. We mentioned this earlier. People forget we're talking about already a vibrant community in the mid-1800s, yeah. which is unbelievable and so, yeah. and so different compared to some other areas in the United States that are not used to that type of, of history. Um, so all this, all this occurs over all these decades, and, and you just pointed out the deep roots that you and so many others have, and we're going to meet other guests this morning that have deep roots in this area as well. And, and, and this happens a year ago, and we'll get to 1027 and your official role in a minute, but this happens a year ago, and it must be, I, I, I know that every community, school, uh, institution that suffers this type of trauma, uh, I understand that all of them you know, have a high level of trauma, but it, it seems to me that because of the reputation the reputation of the quiet, peaceful, friendly, Mr. Rogers, all this yeah. here. It, 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 it may have even been a deeper wound for everybody here. Yeah, you know, I think trauma is always unique. Um, it's one of the things about trauma. And I think that, you know, it's not just about what happens. It's the context in which it happens. And that is something about trauma that happens everywhere. But I think that in terms of the context, what we have here is very unique. Absolutely. And I think both the sense of safety, but also the sense that, we all went to every synagogue, right? They were all right. ours, that the, that every house, you know, that is around the synagogue is still known by the people who have lived there for the last hundred years. And it seems Jew and non-Jew alike <laughs> oh, are yeah. all familiar with, with the institutions. Uh, we're speaking with Maggie Feinstein, director of 1027 Healing Partnership. What, were, what was your role in this community before 1027 came along? Just a member of the community. You know, I grew up in this building in the Jewish Community Center here, and I've been raising my kids, coming to the clubhouse, going to the school here, going to the synagogues here. But I was working as a mental health professional in another neighborhood prior to 1027. And how did this develop? How, does, how, how do we go from this traumatic experience to let's get an organized healing effort here on behalf of the community? And that takes a lot of work because you have to imagine, right, a community that suffers such significant trauma to the entire fabric of the community trying to make a response effort. Right. <clears throat> and so... We had amazing partners through the federal government. They send contractors to be able to advise us on what to do because no community knows exactly what to do. But what Pittsburgh really had that was amazing 
is like you were talking about before, these, these networks that have existed for 100 years were able to really go into full swing. And so our major Jewish institutions, the Jewish Community Center, our Jewish Federation, our Jewish Family um, Community Services, JFCS, were able to immediately start partnering, working on what's the response going to look like. And so the federal contractor said, get all the stakeholders to the table and start talking, start working. And in our community, that means that they did that every week for this last year. Right. Every single week, all those, all those stakeholders getting together saying, what, is, what do we see? Let's have the hard conversations about what are we going to do. Let's make sure that we're not leaving people behind. Let's build something that's thoughtful. And so that's what they did. And they eventually hired me. And here we are. Um, and so in other communities, this is called a resiliency center. Um, and that's sort of the generic name. But then we renamed it the 1027 Healing Partnership as that big group of stakeholders. Could you give me a couple of examples of things that developed that became either programs or, you know, out, outreach methods to members of the community specifically because of 1027? Um, so in terms of outreach methods that, you know, what we've found is that we still operate in very informal networks within the community. Right. So going into the synagogues, getting within community groups, neighborhood groups, um, the youth groups, those are really the, the best channels for outreach that, that we, we notice that people don't go online to find their information. They still go to our Jewish Chronicle, our newspaper, <laughs> you know, and, and look to see what the events calendar is going to be. It's one of the things that, you know, I think we haven't changed very much in how This we building, by the way, is very important for all that, right? Oh, you gosh, walk in yes. here, you're getting a wealth of information and really feeling the support of the community, the energy, the vibrancy, right? We're in yeah. a community that's not being uh, identified by what happened a year ago. We're in a community that's moving forward with programs and, and, uh, and happenings that are amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I, and I grew up in this building, and what you'll see as you're sitting here over the next two hours, you'll see the children coming for their early childhood center. You'll see the seniors starting to come for silver sneakers and coming for lunch. Everybody's sort of here together. And the thing about it is that, and then downstairs there's fitness, everybody's here coming and, you know, the, uh, that's a whole community gathering down right. there too. I can <laughs> but what we find, and one of the reasons for the 1027 Healing Partnership was really this idea that all of that's well when we're feeling well, but where do you go when you don't feel well? How do you find space to be sad, angry, the emotions that are healthy to be feeling? And so we have a little corner upstairs that is redesigned and has a little bit of a reimagined way to allow people to gather, reflect, connect with each other when they're feeling emotionally vulnerable. Because you need a physical space to do that. Exactly. And support groups, I assume, and one-on-one -on -one encounters, all those would take place in an area like that. Yes, but not as much one-on-one. -on -one. You know, we're not really looking to recreate therapy. Right. We have amazing therapy through our JFCS. We have amazing therapy in our community for independent practitioners. What we don't really have is a place for people to come cry on the cup of coffee talk about, you know, the, the young people to come talk about what it feels like to grow up where they don't feel safe, going to school, going to synagogue, walking on the street. Right. Um, and so we really have to figure out a way to evolve with the needs as they change. So don't get, not getting too stuck in any one program, any one support group, listening, engaging, hearing what people are looking for, and then trying to respond. I think just the existence of 1027 the healing partnership is a tremendous comfort to people in general, that they know it's there, mm -hmm. even if they don't take advantage of it completely or they'd rather do the fun stuff as opposed to yeah. you know, crying with a cup of coffee. <laughs> I think just the fact that it exists helps the community move forward. Absolutely. You know, one of the things we know with trauma is that any door is a good door, mm. but what you don't want to do is you don't want to get stuck, right? And so any door is a good door. And so it's nice because it adds a door. Whether or not people need it, we'll see, but that they, it's nice they know it's there. 
and it's a door they can walk through and that we really welcome anybody to come through. Maggie Feinstein's with us, director of the 1027 Healing Partnership. We always are under this impression that the youth has their own resiliency, that mm -hmm. young people have this ability to bounce back. With that in mind, however, this was a very serious episode yeah. with tr tremendous trauma and, and obviously with, uh, with uh, you know, so many people, families, and the entire community being affected. Um, do you notice that the younger people might have more difficulty rebounding from this? Are you, is it necessary for you to, and, and you know, your team to go into schools and pay attention because you've heard from teachers and principals that there are groups of kids that are really having trouble bouncing back? Absolutely. I think that the kids are having trouble bouncing back. I think that most importantly, parents are having trouble bouncing back with in terms of <coughs> raising resilient teens. What we know is that they, we have to be able to teach them how to be healthy adults. We have to teach them how to have their own survival skills. We have to teach them how to feel safe in this world. And that's hard right now. And so as parents, we're struggling on how to tell our kids, yes, we believe you're safe and to make them feel sense of safety. And that's really important for us to do as parents because we can't expect our kids to be as resilient right. if we're constantly in the place of fear. Does being Jewish affect these kids, knowing that uh, all these victims were victims only because they were Jews? Is that a, another piece to this that's, uh, that, that's you know, troubling to the young people because you know, they, they themselves might have safety issues you know, in terms of their own psyche because they know the only reason these people were killed was because they were Jewish. It's a yes and, right? I think that there, is a, there was a feeling that that was not the reason that we were seeing as much violence. But I think that our community has been very aware that violence and that, unfortunately, a lot of gun violence has happened within our city and that we are not the first people to experience even hate-induced gun violence, but that for us, the Jewish community of Pittsburgh, this is the first time that we've experienced anything on this scale. And so high profile <coughs> and, the scale and international. Is and again, everyone knowing the Jews had the targets on them. Absolutely. So, you know, I think that, that for our young people, the feeling of safety and the feeling of, especially for our more religious community, whether or not identifying ourselves as something of pride or whether it's something of fear, is something that I think a lot of young people are talking about. I don't know that anybody's changed their behaviors. Right. I think that it's something that's just more on the front of your mind. No one's homebound because of it. I hope Thank not. Thank God. We, ho we hope so. If they are, they know where to come. Right, exactly. Please come to me. You know, those of us who have suffered loss know that a first anniversary is really, really significant. I could speak uh, to that from personal experience. How important is it now that it's past a year? Well, you know, as you know, that in our community, that's one of the things that separates us from other communities who's ex who've experienced this communal trauma experience because we have two and first anniversaries, unfortunately, right. right? We have our secular anniversary, which is past, and then we have our yard site, which is coming this week. Right. So um, I think the fact that there was sort of the outward facing, and then now this is much more, this weekend is much more about our communities coming together, remembering, reflecting, being together. But the 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 fact that we have two first year anniversaries right. is unlike any other community. I just wonder if people are anticipating getting this weekend over with already, getting past the one year, and just you know using that as a demarcation to to, to move on even more than they have over the last few months. Yeah, you know, I think I think people are. I think that um, especially getting past ten twenty seven and then now right. getting past you know this weekend in the yard site. And I think that the question is, what's on the other side, right? How do we listen? How do we evolve? How do we make sure that we don't get stuck in that first year and what was true then? And really listen for year two. 
what do people need? What's our opportunities for growth? How do we build on that? It doesn't have to just be recovery. It can be growth. It can be opportunities to build new relationships, to start something new. So hopefully in year two, we're able to foster that and give opportunities to people to think through those things. Have a lot, have many of your programs over the last few months been uh, communal programs on these topics? Uh, these things that you, you know, we see an unbelievable array of programming here at the JCC. A lot of positive stuff in many yeah. different areas, whether it be religious, secular, etc., and a lot of fun stuff. Have you, through 1027, put together programs that where people come and, I don't know, hear lectures or presentations specifically on these issues? Yeah, you know, I think that we have talked a lot about some of the heavier topics this year, mm. about trauma, about recovery, about resilience, about... And you're um, giving people opportunity to participate? Yeah, and so then, you know, for me, looking at the the work of the 1027 Healing Partnership, especially in this coming year, it's really about ways to practice new things that we maybe hadn't done before. And so we're going to actually have an event coming up in December where we're going to invite in wellness practitioners to come and just share, almost in a TED style, what is it to practice acupuncture? What is it to practice mindfulness? What is it to practice different kinds of therapy? And people can learn about it and think, maybe this is for me. Interesting. And, yeah. if it, and if and if it works the same way that uh, uh, that uh, you know fitness and exercise works, th- implementing these things in one's life can really be a life changing experience. Exactly, it can bring a lot of peace and calm to somebody. Yeah, and I really you know strongly in the, t- the work of the Ten Twenty Seven Healing Partnership, we believe that that there is post traumatic growth opportunities. That after trauma, we don't just have to recover. Sometimes that we do get an opportunity to look at things from a new angle to be able to find new ways to do things. And so we have to build opportunity for people to see that and come along with us. Well, we really appreciate you joining us here today. This is a, uh, this is a, it's such an important anniversary. We believe that's why we're back. That's why we're back here with the, uh, with the yard site coming up this Shabbos. And um, I, I think people like yourself have been put, have been put in, unique situ- in a unique situation Absolutely. where you get an opportunity to help people rebound and really give them the encouragement they need to get to the point that they need to get to. And as I'm sure you would agree, sometimes it takes time. It, we, we, for many people, they're not there yet, but hopefully they're on the road to getting there. Absolutely, and I believe that they'll come along with us. And people can go to our website, which also has a lot of information, www.1027healingpartnership.org. It has resources for parents who are curious about some of the things we talked about or for teens, so please come back. That could probably help, by the way, that website. Uh, principals, rabbis around the country who who have, you know, smaller scale, let's put it that way, traumatic experiences in their community that could study what you've done and might be able to implement some of that in their own uh, in their own neighborhoods. Absolutely, definitely. Hopefully. Thank you very much. Thank a pleasure you. meeting you. It was a pleasure meeting you too. I Thank appreciate that. Me. Maggie Feinstein is director of the 1027 Healing Partnership. And um, the, <clears throat> the art site, as we know, is this coming Shabbos. <clears throat> for the victims of the uh, of the attack last year. And as you heard, there are many, many ways that people are helping others rebound um, from the trauma of last year. And we're going to explore more of them coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM. <laughs> 